Please be advised that this episode may be triggering for some, as this is a very sensitive topic. On Friday, January 21st, actress Regina King's son, Ian Alexandra Jr., passed away due to suicide. When I heard the news, I was instantly heartbroken. Being aware via video interviews and award shows attended by both mother and son, the bond that they shared, the immense love Ms. King had for her son. The outpour of condolences to the actress swept the media world and I found myself reflecting back to when I had to witness a dear friend lose a family member to suicide, a day I will never forget. In this episode, I sit down with that dear friend Cheryl Fluence, a now mother and wife, who a few years ago lost her brother. We go back to the day this tragic event took place, as well as the aftermath, taking a moment to understand the grieving process, ways to seek and provide help, as well as what you can do in seasons of sadness and discouragement. I hope you stay locked in. This Around the Way girl wants to chat with you. She's discovering new information in this world that surrounds her, tapping into her inner power, her sexuality, and taking ownership of her insecurities. She discovered she had to unlearn some things. Come and enjoy her moments of reflection, re-education, redefinition, and evolution. Kick back, sip some wine, take a drive, whatever your vibe. Join me, your host, Shay Sana, with She Discovered Podcast. So stay tuned. You might learn some things. This is a sensitive and touchy topic, but I am so excited to be here with a dear friend of mine that I've been able to get close with throughout the years. Cheryl and I met each other back in, I would like to say, 2015. I came over to her house um, for lunch. Uh, There is a, how can I say, a tradition in the Seventh-day Adventist community, or I would like to say even in the church community. I'm not only going to say Seventh-day Adventist that, you know, after church, you go to someone's house and you have potluck, you have lunch. And I was invited to Cheryl's home by another friend and we instantly kicked it off. We have very similar um, personalities. We're both very outgoing. We could be a little crazy sometimes, <laughs> but I've, I've definitely grown to love this woman. With this topic, we are talking about suicide. And again, I know it's a sensitive topic. I have Cheryl on because she herself lost her brother to suicide and we are going to discuss how that day went how the experience has been how the aftermath has been and we really just want you to take time to tune in to hear one person's story in such a sensitive and tragic matter Cheryl thank you so much for joining me on this episode it really means a lot and knowing that this is not an easy conversation but the fact that you're even willing to talk about it you know of course talking about it's actually a part of the healing process 
I shy away from a topic sometimes. I think this came in a timely manner. Um, I haven't cried in a while, so I'm a little nervous about, you know, having those moments, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. While telling the story, but I want to mainly concentrate on what was actually going through your mind. What were your feelings from the night of up until the time you got the news about your brother? So, uh... To, to tell the story, I would have to jump back like a couple of weeks prior to his death. He and my mom got into it. And unfortunately, you know, teenage years are already really tough. But my mom and my stepdad, he were having a lot of issues at one point. You know, he went to go live with his best friend. And leading up to his death the night before, he wasn't necessarily on my mind. Mom and he had hit a good spot. You know, they were they were doing better. And at this point in time, I was checking in daily, you know, checking in on mom daily, making sure she was good, checking in on him. He wasn't a big talker. Like he was very quiet, very to himself. I was supposed to be in a praise team that weekend and it was, you know, Sabbath, Saturday and prepping for, for the praise team. The song that we were going to sing was it is well with my soul. Mm. And in going to rehearsal, I was trying to find different versions of the song because I'm like, okay, I want to get the harmony, right? This was my first time, you know, one of my first times stepping out and being on a praise team, like I'm really shy and with my voice in that regard. And so I was like, I want to get the harmony, right. And make sure rehearsal rehearsals easy breezy kind of thing that song was on repeat leading me up to rehearsal and then after rehearsal Shay I kid you not I listened to that song from let me see rehearsal ended maybe around eight o'clock to about midnight because I was doing my hair that night and that song was literally on repeat come to about midnight I get a call from my mom, you know, she tells me Ty sneak snuck out of the house. And I was like, where is he? What? You know what I'm saying? Where is he going? And I've never heard of him sneaking out of the house before. Like this was brand new to me. At this point in time too, I'm learning how to handle him in the sense that I can't be explosive. I cannot just, you know, get overreactive. I got to think about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to process. Because at this point in, in our relationship, I realized that he needed a gentle touch. I, 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 lay, I remember laying on my bed going, God, what is going on? Like he is just all over the place. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I just remember laying there praying. I'm like, God, just help me. Like, I don't know what to say. How do I handle this situation? Because I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad because he's giving mommy a hard time, right? But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> like, I live in that house too. Like, I get, you know, it's tough. In the midst of, of me laying there, he calls me. And I was like, Tarot, where are you? And he's like, I, I went to go hang out with some friends. And I was like, why would you sneak out of the house? You couldn't, you know, wait until, it, until another day to go hang out. And I was like, what's going on with you? When I asked him that question, the phone went dead silent. He was like, I feel like I don't have any purpose. Hmm. What you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? You don't feel like you have any purpose? Like, explain to me. He was like, I, he was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't, I don't have a sense of purpose. I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And at this point, he had already declared that he wanted to be a nurse, which I thought was super cute because. 
you know, he's trying to follow big sis. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm trying to coach him by just, you know, answering, prompting questions, you know, probing a little bit. He pretty much, we didn't get any further than I'm lacking purpose. I'm lacking purpose. I was like, Ty, it gets better. Like, I promise it gets better. You just got to hang in there because I could tell what's coming, Shane. (laughs) Like, I could tell what's coming. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm doing everything everything in my power to just stay cool. Like at this point, my heart is pounding. Like I'm so, I'm so terrified, but I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta keep it together. I gotta keep it together. You know, at this point, he's not trying to hear anything. Like now he's in a dark space. Like it's a dark cloud, you know? Mm. And um, so I tried to, I tried to coach him a little more. And then he was just kind of like, well, I just wanted to call and tell you that I love you, you know, and, and, and goodbye. I was like, no, what are you talking about? Like, no, you can't do this. Um, woo. Take as much time as you need. So he hangs up the phone and I called him back a thousand times. <laughs> like I called him back a thousand times. He refused to answer. He just refused to answer. And so at that point, I called Sarah. Uh, Sarah was so instrumental during this time. Like, so and so Sarah funny. is, uh, was... Or a good friend of yours at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah was a good friend of mine and um, somebody I looked to for spiritual guidance, you know, so she was so key. Um, so I call her and I tell her, like, I'm bawling my eyes out. I'm like, Sarah, I think I think Tyrell's getting ready to commit suicide. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, you know, so we started praying. I was like already at this place where I'm like, I could pray all the prayers I can pray. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes it doesn't work out. God has God has a couple answers. But it's not to say that he doesn't want to keep us from these dark spaces. It just means that it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. But anyways, I'm in this headspace already. Like, okay, I, I understand that, you know, if even if I'm praying as hard as I can right now and, and God doesn't spare him in this moment, then I'm just going to have to be okay. Like, I, I know God has, a, has an answer for me. I just have to trust that. So anyways, so we prayed, we prayed, and then I called, I called you. Mm-hmm. I called you because I was like, okay, I need, I need to get to Nashville. Like there's, there's no, I, I need to get to Nashville right now. So Nashville being, you know, three hours away from Chattanooga to be specific where my mom lives is about three hours away. Right. Um, and I just jumped into, I just jumped into fight mode. Like I got to find my brother. Like there's, <laughs> there's nothing else, but I got to find my brother. So I jumped on Verizon. I was like, yo, I need tracking ASAP. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I need, I need to be able to locate him. And then in the midst of this happening, mom calls me back and mom was like, I don't know where he is. Like, I, I don't know what's going on. And it was after I had spoken to him and I didn't want it to she had no idea that he had called you and said these things at this point. No, he had no, she had no idea. And the the things that, the thing that hurts mom the most is that she was the only one out of like his close circle that she, that he didn't call, which was broke her heart, you know, and mm-hmm. broke her heart because just, just that night, Friday night, they were talking about the future. And he's like, mom, I got you. You know, when mm-hmm. I get older, I got you. And oh. I, it breaks my heart for her because she didn't get to hear from him that night. And so she blames herself, you know, like, was he angry with me? Was something going on? I didn't want to tell her. I didn't want to tell her what, you know, what was going on because I was like, I could, I could fix this. I can fix it. I mean, I can make it so it doesn't happen. <laughs> and 
and, and she would never have to know. What I find out later is that she heard him in the garage. She wasn't sure that it was him outside in the garage, but she was like, I'm just going to sit here and wait for him to come inside so we can talk. But he never came inside. Because she didn't want to bombard him as well. She was also in the headspace of like, I've tried everything and I I need to try the calm method now. Right. We were all there. You know what I'm saying? And so, oh my gosh, I've had moments of like, I'm, bl- I'm going to blame myself for this because what happened was that he was in the garage and that's where the gun was. It was in my, you know, my stepfather's uh, gun that he kept in a safe. I don't know how he got the code. I don't know how he got in, but that's what he was doing. Or that's what we assume, right? Is that mm-hmm. he came back for the gun. So anyways, uh, yeah, fight mode, fight mode. We get to we get to Nashville. I had already called two, two different police departments because he was about 35 minutes away from home. And then they were like, you got to call where he lives. So I called where he lived. I was super appreciative that they just jumped into go-go mode for, for him. Get to Nashville. Uh, what was it like maybe four o'clock in the morning it was it was because I I believe you called me yeah like around one in the morning um and you told me and around that time also listeners I was living in Chattanooga Tennessee and yeah like you said distance wise Nashville and it was like deep in Nashville so it is like two to three hour drive and um just to make things clear in the south uh if people are unaware that in the South, you're able to be a licensed legal gun owner, right? And like you said, your stepfather had it not in the house, and it's okay to have it in the house, but he had it in the garage in a safe, right? locked up so just so that people could know there was a precaution that was taken in the home but like you were mentioning when your mother heard him in the garage she's assuming you know he's gonna come in the house so let me wait not knowing that this is what was going on so all right yeah so fast forward we get there four o'clock in the morning and everybody all hands on deck because we want to find him yeah um and actually i remember because for and I still do 255. No, I'm sorry, 253 in the morning, winter hours in Chattanooga was the last time I spoke to him. That was that was the when the phone call took place. All hands on deck, like you said, everybody's looking. Eventually the police officers were like, just go home. We'll come to you, you know, when when we know something. At this point, when we were sitting there in the parking lot of that school waiting, I was unable to track him at the time because it seemed like maybe his phone got turned off or something. The place that we pinpoint him was the, you know, the last place that the tracking was found. And of course, you know, that's where they found him. But because for like a good hour, we couldn't, we couldn't, we, we didn't see any more movement. And that's when hope was lost. You know what I'm saying? It was this moment of like, oh God. It's over. It's over. And I just felt it in my spirit. You know what I'm saying? So so even it, before you got the news, the fact that you no longer saw movement in the tracking, you already yeah. kind of felt. Yeah, I felt it. I felt it, but I didn't want to say nothing. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't want to receive that. And I, and then and then mom was in such a terrible spot. Like mom, I feel like mom knew already too. Like she was in such a terrible spot. I don't think it was that long, Shay. We got home, we sat down. It wasn't very long, right? We got home, it wasn't. We sat down, 
And next we know, there's a knock on the door. I see uh, the police officers and I just knew it. I just knew it because there was not a car. There was not a body in the car, a live body. There was, it was just police officers at my door. They didn't have to say anything. I remember your face. Because mind you, I'm the friend and I'm like, Oh, Father God, this is awkward. I don't know what to do. And you're praying in your mind, like, please don't let my friend go through this. Please don't let this family go through this. And even for myself, when they opened the door, even a little spark of hope, I'm like, come on, just say that y'all brought him in to the precinct. Maybe y'all did something just to, and then, but you knew, I knew you knew because the way you walked to the door and opened the door, you just opened it. You looked at them as if, just give it to me raw. Right. Just give it to me. <laughs> right. Like I saw your face. Right. Yeah. I almost feel like I said those words because that's exactly what was in my mind. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like it was just like, don't, don't even do the ma'am. I'm sorry. No, just tell me what's up. Like, because I know it already. And then I lost it. That I literally lost it. What happened in that moment? And I, I, uh, I want to be careful because God has forgiven, you know, and God has redeemed relationships in everything. But in that moment, everything, everything regarding our family life just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, damn it, this is what I wanted to avoid. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was so painful because it wasn't just my childhood that came to light. It was like everything since we moved to, since we moved to the United States to moving to Nashville from Jersey, like everything was you know how you how you have big moments of in life where it's kind of like all the trials were worth it this was the reverse (laughs) this was the reverse it was the reverse of like i wish it was different i wish it was different because if it was different you know i'm saying he would still be here so much pain (laughs) so many issues in our family and i just yeah for that for that home in particular that's why I wrecked the room. I wrecked the room shape because it was like, this is, no, this is, if I can burn the place down, I would. I would burn it all down. Because it was a representation of all the pain that was there, you know, and what I feel led my brother to his death. If you suspect a friend or loved one is battling suicidal thoughts, or to simply be educated on suicide prevention, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Also, visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention website at afsp.org. Information will also be available in this episode's description notes. And again, I'm going to keep saying it. Thank you. Just thank you for being open and vulnerable and sharing your story. It's not easy because like I'm taking you back to that place. And even as I'm saying it, like my voice is kind of getting choked up because I'm remembering being with you in that space. And I love that you said there's no blame game that you're doing currently in this moment right? right, right because right. everyone has gotten hurt. But for you to not be honest in how you felt in that moment or things that truly occurred, you have to tell the truth and your truth that you felt everyone was to blame you. Like you said, you wanted to burn it, Mm -hmm. wanted to Mm -hmm. wreck everything. And Mm -hmm. when you went in that room, you, you took, as soon as they gave it to you raw, it's like, you're like, okay, 
I got the confirmation I needed. And like you said, you went in that room and you tore it up. I think that's when I couldn't handle it anymore. Because I was like, this is a lot of eat. Because it's not only emotions coming from you. It's emotions coming from your mother. It's I'm just like, is this really happening to the point I ran out? Yeah. I, I, you wow. didn't see, and we didn't talk didn't about this. Yeah. I, I walked out the house. I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I'm not built for this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and, and I went out the house and one of the officers came to me and I'm usually when I'm in that space, I don't really want anybody hovering me because I need to process. And, um, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, you need to handle the people in the house, not me. And, uh, I remember, you know, Jerry, my mm-hmm. friend, and I called her mm-hmm. And I was like, Joe, you're going to need to like coach me through this because I, I don't know what to do, you know? And she she just told me to just calm down and be there for you. And it's like, I just told myself like, Shay, this is not about you right now. And I remember walking back in the house and coming back into the room for you. And you were solid, Shay. You were solid every step of the way. And I really appreciate that. No, you're, yeah. you're very welcome. Like even coming into the room and you told me you needed a moment and and I understood <laughs> I understood that and I said okay I was like I ain't trying to get hit you in the head with <laughs> <laughs> you, you actually said that I came in the room and you took a moment and I said okay because I didn't hear anything anymore so I was like, okay this is a good time to come into the room yeah. And I came into the room and I said, you know, I'm here. And you're like, and you said it in the most subtle manner, but I could still <laughs> feel the fury in you. Because yeah. you said, Shay, I need a moment and I need you to get out the room because I'm not done yet. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, we're, we're, we're making light of the situation right now. Yeah. But, but yeah, you were just like. I don't want to, I don't want you to feel the wrath of what's happening right, right now, Right. you know? Right. So, um, what? I've never done anything like that before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's I mean, understandable. I, it's understandable. Yeah. How did you feel when you, when you finally came out the room? Cause now you're still dealing with your emotions, but now you have to deal with the emotions of your mother. There was my, I was still in nursing school, right? <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but I had to repeat nursing school. Um, and so my second time through nursing school was so pivotal. Mm-hmm. Point is, I was learning a lot about mental health. When it came to, when it came to t- dealing with mom, I kind of jumped into therapy mode. Um, not necessarily trying to give her therapy on the spot, but like I jumped into in this one in time, I am the only family member she's going to want to hear or see right now. And I am her daughter and I have a responsibility to make sure mom's okay. And so that was kind of the headspace I was in. And when I saw her, she was like, I, I thought my mom, I thought that was it. <laughs> I thought, I thought we were going to have to commit her to a psychiatric ward. That's what went through my mind because of how she presented. It was like, she was going through these periods of amnesia. Like I've never seen anything like it. The police officers would tell her, she would come back. Where's my son? Where's my son? And they would tell her and she would just pass out. It was the weirdest thing. And I was so terrified because now, I mean, brother's gone, but my mom, I'm, I'm watching my mom fade before my eyes kind of thing. And that was really hard. That was really hard. The mind is a powerful thing. It is. That is a protective mechanism. It is the body's way of protecting itself. You know what I'm saying? Because the pain, it's unspeakable. 
Thank you for coming this far into the episode. I wanted to share the exciting news of She Discovered Podcast expanding to YouTube. We will still be streaming audio episodes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. In addition, extra episodes will air via YouTube from time to time. So please be sure to follow and subscribe. Updates and teasers can be found on Instagram at She Discovered Podcast. Enjoy the rest of the episode. You came and followed me to the garage because eventually I got up and went to the garage. And I don't I don't remember what you asked me, but I kind of remember what I said, because as I was saying it, I was like, there's no way this is me speaking. There's no way this is all God. Right. Oh, I said something along the lines of I'm not done. I'm going to trust God still. Like my faith remains strong. There's no way you don't get to break me devil. I saw the pain, but I also saw the warrior in you. I'm telling you right now, girl, I saw the because again, for me, I was just yeah. like, how is she functioning right now? You know, and you were like you said, you were still wanting to be there with your mother. You were still having your moments where you would need to step away. You would need to cry. And mm-hmm. I would have moments where I'm like, let me leave her it's alone. So good. You did so good. <laughs> I'm doing so calculations good. in my mind. Like, okay, when do I step in? What was beautiful with what you're saying, and people can have their own opinions Mm -hmm. or perceptions when it comes to the spiritual realm and something like this, or what does God want or doesn't want? It goes deep. I get it. But I remember talking to your mom Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this is the first time I'm ever meeting your mom. So this is awkward, but I guess she can see that I am a dear friend to you. The fact that I came to you and I'm experiencing this with you. And I think she just needed somebody to talk to because at first I was like, why are you telling me this though? You don't know me, but I wanted to listen to her. And she said, you know, what's so interesting, Shay? She said, God was preparing me for this moment. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, Shay, I've been wanting to get closer with God. And at work, I was like, okay, God, what book should I read? Mm -hmm. And then she said she felt like she was led to read Job. And she said she she had been reading Job for the past like two weeks or something. And if for those that don't know, there is a book or a story in the Bible. And the book is called Job because, you know, the Bible consists Mm -hmm. of many um, little mini books that consist of the whole Bible. And there's a book called Job and the story of Job of a man who basically had a, a very faithful yeah. servant of God who had everything just ripped Financial from him, status. right? Family, wife, home, the financial. If you're, yeah, if you're thinking about modern day, let's just, yeah. just imagine like your whole bank account yeah just wiped out and your family all your children just gone Mm -hmm. she said that she's like man god why why are you leading me to read this but she said she felt something in her spirit that said i'm preparing you for something and she said okay god i don't know what you're preparing me for of course you're not imagining this you know so she's like god i don't know what you're preparing me for but whatever it is, I feel you're strengthening me. And then she looked at me and she says, Shay, this is the most painful day in my life, but it's very odd in this moment. I also feel a strength that I cannot explain. Yes. I've never heard her. I've never heard her say that, but I, yes, I get it. Cause that was me too. And when she, and when she said that, I remember I got goosebumps and I was like, wow. 
I want to now understand for you, what was now the process that you had to go through uh, for grieving? Like, what was the mental, spiritual, and emotional process that has brought you to this day? Like, <laughs> going back to the trashing the room for everybody else, it was my it was my bedroom, you know, in the house. When I was trashing the room, I, I just kept thinking, this is not a home, this is not a home. And with every thought, something bigger got thrown against the wall or, you know, all my, re- my rewards from school because, you know, I was a good student, whatever. I had, I had medals and stuff. Everything, everything got ripped down in the name of this is not a home. In that space was a lot of, I don't want to say hate, but it was strong it was it was just strong disgust. That's what I'm saying. I was like disgust, you know, from for what our family life was. I want to say that I left it all in that room. I didn't, but a lot of it got left in that room. When I finished trashing that room and I came outside, all right, what's next? You know, is what went through my mind because what God was also trying to bring me through was forgiveness. Mm. crazy it's crazy how that was his way of preparing me yeah mom was seeing the whole job story and thinking you know though he slayed me yet I will trust him but God was bringing me through forgiveness because man my stepdad has done some crazy stuff (laughs) he has done some crazy stuff that just makes me go what (laughs) you know and there was a point in time where there was hate rising up in my heart toward him that year or just those couple months alone God was just kind of like you got to forgive man you got to forgive you don't know everything but you know enough to know that I'm working on him too and I want to save him too Mm. like you got to make it happen you got to let me do this for you on your behalf on his behalf because I'm I'm trying to save all y'all that's what God kept telling me so he led me through forgiveness. And speaking of warrior, war room was pivotal for me. Like that movie, <laughs> sis, when that movie came out, it was it was for me. The script mm-hmm. was written and it said to Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> My little apartment had a walk-in closet. And I remember. I flipped that thing into my war room. And that's the space God gave me to grow. That was the space God gave me to be more forgiven, to trust him. My God, like that whole process of trusting God was so important because I was always acting out of emotions, always just, just, I feel angry because I act angry or I feel, I feel hurt and therefore I'm going to be, you know, super needy and blah, 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 whatever the case is. I was always out of emotions and that space God gave me to learn how to trust him and how to, and how to forgive that was my preparation. So when that day came, yeah, I let my anger go loose and I let it out in a safe space because that's okay. Wreck some stuff. <laughs> Wreck it. I'm here for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, also know that's not the only thing you should do. You know what I'm saying? You can't go through life just wrecking stuff. Just, it's not, it's not going to be healthy in the long run, but wreck it in that moment. You know what I'm saying? So came out of that room and immediately, immediately, all of the forgiveness God was trying to pound in my head was right there on the forefront. Because to be honest, to be, if I can call on one person that I, I would blame, it would be my stepdad. You know what I'm saying? But I can't do that. I, that's, no, that's not of God. You know what I'm saying? And I can't do that to, to anybody. 
and, and understanding grace, mercy, and compassion, all of those, right? So speaking of how, how my journey has been looking, from that point forward, it's leave vengeance to God, like leave judgment to God. Like this is not your, you don't have the strength. You don't have the tools to be in that position. Leave that to God. You know what I'm saying? Because when we leave vengeance and judgment to God, all you are left with is peace. You know what I'm saying? Just peace. And that's all he wants to give you is peace. I like how you said that we don't have the tools to act out vengeance. Yeah. Yeah, we don't because what happens and what I have found throughout my life is that when I want to be angry at somebody and when I want to lash out, yeah, okay, my feelings are valid and I'm going to tell you what's good and how you're not going to treat me. But when I flip that thing around, I see somebody who do, he, who maybe didn't grow up with compassion in their house. And the only the only thing they know how to do is to react to react and mistreat people. How are you supposed to treat people kindly when you don't even know what kindness look like? Mm. So it's kind of like wanting a toddler to talk to you right out or an infant to talk to you right out the womb, but they literally don't have the brain power to do so. So you have to be patient with people and you have to be understanding and compassionate because you just don't know the thing, but God does. God does. And so when he sees the whole picture, he is equipped to take care of judgment and vengeance. We don't. Mm. We don't have that tool. And I love how you phrased it in the sense of because when you initially said we don't have that tool, someone could says, no, I have the tools. I have the tools to make your life miserable. <laughs> <laughs> I have and see that I love though. Right. But you're feeling like, no, I don't need to come from a space of love because you haven't bestowed love on right. me. Right. But right. what I love that you said is that the reason we don't have the tools is because yes, God sees the picture. We don't know. We don't have the capacity right. to know how the person grew up. Right. Like you just said, right. we don't know what that person right. is dealing with. We're not excusing right. actions. That's not what we're doing. But right. what, but what we're, different. yeah, it's very different. But what we're saying is with God, with his spirit guiding us and leaving it up to him or guiding us how to mm -hmm. act and maneuver or how to even think in that moment, he's able to guide us in the way of how we're supposed to deal with this particular person, right. how we're supposed to right. deal with this particular situation. And granted, there is consequences to everything, right? So a lot of times, because we want to see that person suffer, we're just like, I'm going to speed up your consequences. Yes. You know, or- funny, funny enough, you lose your soul in the process if you ain't careful. Right. You, you know could get lost. Like yeah. You get lost in that. Huh? Yeah. No, I was going to say, I've, I've seen people get so lost that they're no longer themselves because they have so much revenge in their heart. Yes. Mm -hmm. What were the moments? Like you said, you, you dealt with forgiveness, you dealt with releasing mm -hmm. anger and hate, but what were the moments or what were the other coping mechanisms that you now had to put into place to deal with the quiet moments of just being by yourself? Those quiet moments. I hated those quiet moments. I kept my circle. My friends were pivotal. You guys were so instrumental. You guys checked in. That was so important. Rosie Delgado. Rosie and Mundi Delgado. Those two, man. They were like, hey, if you need a place to be, just come over. Just come over. And they had a they had a basement. They left that thing open for me for a good year and a half, two years. Like that was my space to be every Friday night. They just allowed me to be, 
Yeah, I can never thank them enough for that because that was that was the big way to help me heal. Going home was hard. Going home was really hard. Yeah, I was going at first, but there was a point in time where I was like, I can't keep going home right now. <laughs> like I get just, you know what I'm saying? I made it there on maybe holidays and stuff like that. But going home was a, a constant reminder of what wasn't there or who wasn't there. And then on top of that, my prayer life, it had to stay strong. There was no way. There was no way I was going to make it through if I didn't keep praying. And then I had people praying. I, I remember telling Tisha about how every every night I would wake up at 2.53, but most importantly, every Friday night. Because that was the time you received the call. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that trauma right there. You know what I'm saying? Even your brain remembers that you were dead asleep, but your brain's like, 253 is here. You know what I'm saying? And she made a point for a long time. I, I don't know if she still has the alarm, but she set an alarm to pray for me every time at that point. But for a long time after that, when she started praying, I could tell the difference because I was sleeping longer. Mm. And I wasn't so I wasn't so um, so anxious anymore. And so prayer, man, whether it was from me or from others, kept me. Relationship wise, it was lonely. And yeah. those were the moments where wanting a companion came strong. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it was like, yeah, your friends are cool. My girlfriends love them to death, but I want a man. I want yeah. a man I could cry to. It was important that in that time I learned to to let God fill that hole. So so basically you're you're saying, and from what I remember witnessing is that it would have been easy for you because you desired a man around it would have been easy for you to use that as a coping mechanism right but God was working on your heart in so many ways where he's just Mm -hmm. like let me fill these voids that you're feeling Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the work that I'm doing with you if you do go get a guy now just to feel that loneliness it's actually going to be reversing everything that I'm trying to accomplish and like you said in your moments of working on yourself not too long if I'm correct what maybe a year later a good friend of yours came back into your life and now he and now he's your husband so he my baby daddy <laughs> <laughs> you know so um, yeah it's a beautiful like, thing it, was, it really is it really is who you need to truly be around you to be of an emotional support or the right man to come around that is going to be able to deal with this trauma that you've now experienced yeah should not just be placed in anyone's hands Mm, as much as, as much as we want someone to come be that comfort, God is like, not everyone deserves that. And it's, it's, it's beautiful that Kenny came around your now husband, even though you had done some healing so that he would now not become your crutch, like you said, but he was able to, and you know, it's awesome that Yah had already built a friendship. Um, and he wasn't a stranger in that sense, but that he came around and he was able to say, I see you, I know you, mm-hmm. and I'm ready to even deal with this with you because he was yeah. also a praying man, you know? Exactly. And he's gentle with my trauma. He's so gentle with my trauma. I remember uh, the, the day of, you know, it was always really hard. 
And so we were, we were going shopping in Walmart one day and, you know, the whole day he could tell that I was off or whatever in my little sad place. And I, I ended up just, you know, I'd kind of like make some excuse of like, I need to go find something over here or whatever, but I just wanted to be alone. And it's not that I can't tell him that I, I need to be alone. It's just, I didn't want to say it because it hurts too much to be you know, open sometimes about it. And so I walked away and I was just walking through Walmart aimlessly and he came and found me. I saw him. I I saw him walking down the aisle and his face was so gentle, Shane. Like, it was like, I see you, babe. I see you. And I know, I know you're trying to take a moment to get it together, but I'm here. In the middle of the Walmart aisle, he held me and I I cried a little bit and then we were okay. And then we left Walmart and I felt better. I love that. Like, it was so sweet. It was so sweet. So to, to segue into that, I think it's vital to speak about how us as individuals, how we can be there for people that have experienced losing a loved one to suicide. It is a death, but it's a different type of experience. I mean, death is death, but at the same time, there's a different emotion that comes with losing someone to suicide. There's a lot of blame that comes into it. There's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of what could I have done? There's a lot of how come I didn't see? There's a you know, so many questions. So I looked up this article that basically breaks down maybe the top things that you should do um, when dealing with someone who has lost someone to suicide. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna go over them with you. You could also share your thoughts as I go down the list. But the first one says, refrain from saying, I know how you feel. Mm. Unless you are also a suicide loss survivor, instead. Mm-hmm say something like, I don't know what to say. I have no idea what you're going through, but I care about you and I want to be there for you. I get it because I'll give myself an example, right? Sometimes when someone also goes through death or death of a a parent, sometimes I'll tell somebody, yeah, I know how you feel. I went through that because Mm -hmm. I lost my father, right? But then I had to also, and it's coming from the sincerity of your heart where you're just like, I want you to know that you have someone that relates. I want you to know that what you felt in the pain of losing a parent, I felt too. So let's talk about it. But what I had to come to realize, even if a person lost a parent also, instead of me saying, I know how you feel, I should even say those same words because everybody deals with death differently. Mm. And so may comes differently and the pain comes differently. So even though if I say, I know how you feel, that's not true. Cause I may, cause for me, I felt denial. You may feel excruciating pain in that moment. So for me to say, oh yeah, I know how you feel. No, I don't. Because what I felt in that moment, it's not what you're feeling in this it's moment. Different. It's different. Yeah. So it, it is true to that. It's, it's better to just say, I have no idea what you're going through, which is true. I don't know how you're feeling in this moment, but how can I be of help? Exactly. Exactly. I love that part of how can I be of help? Because <laughs> what I'm learning with being married is that I don't receive love the same way. He doesn't, he receives love in a totally different way. And so if I'm trying to give him love in the way that I receive love, I'll miss the boat. The man will never feel love the day in his life. You know what I'm saying? And so that comes the same for when you're dealing with people who are grieving or just across the board. How can I help? Tell me what you need. Because the, the reality of it is I, I might not get it right. 
but I want to try. So tell me how I can do it. Tell me how I can help. They might say, you can back up a little bit <laughs> and you got to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They'll, they'll say, check in on me every day at this time. And if you're, if you want to ride with that, rock with that, you know what I'm saying? But be ready to do what they're asking you to do. If you're not ready to do what your friend or whomever is asking you to do, don't ask that question. Don't ask that question. Just say, I'm, I'll pray for you. Be genuine about that prayer. You know, I'm just trying to say that if, if you're not willing to be there, do not, do not put the face on as if you are going to be there because it really means a lot to us. if we see those people who rock with us in those times. The next one says, uh, read about suicide loss. It'll help you understand what your loved one or your friend is experiencing. And it'll probably help you process or discover helpful information that you can share with them later on. Um, The third one is saying many people find that professional counseling helps them deal with their grief in a healthy way. Help your loved ones search for a therapist or even help them schedule appointments uh, because sometimes it may be overwhelming for them. So if they know that there's someone that's actually helping them go through the process of getting help, that kind of relieves the burden. Now make sure they want it. <laughs> Cause I, 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 I'm laughing because poor mommy, like somebody decided that they were going to schedule a therapy session for her. And they had this therapist show up to our house, like not very long. I think it was shortly after the funeral and this therapist showed up. We've never seen her a day in our lives. We have no idea who this person is. And they're coming in here trying to, you know, counsel mom and drop therapy knowledge. And we're just looking at her like, sis, what you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> you know? And man, talk about Caribbean people who don't like therapy. And then you do something like that. Oh, it'll shut down that space. So that is make, true. Sure, make sure you're not trying to do some intervention thing. Make sure that you recognize because, you know, out of the goodness of their heart, you know, I know why the person did it now because mom explained she did it because mom expressed to her that, hey, my son's gone. What do I have to live for? Like, I'm trying to be out myself. And she took that and run with it. So she was trying to be helpful. But mom was just speaking out of grief. And so you just have to be able to recognize the difference. And if you can't probe, ask questions, you know what I'm saying? Like, be direct about it. This is this is actually one of the things that I learned in nursing school. Like, uh, we don't beat around the bush if we think somebody trying or attempting suicide or thinking about it. Are you having suicidal thoughts? Yeah. If you're having suicidal thoughts, have you thought of hurting yourself? Okay. Do you have the means to hurt yourself? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And these are very direct and they will let you know. I've, I've never had a patient who, when that answer is yes, hasn't answered the rest of the question. And, and that is, that is uh, actually really important to know with people who are experiencing suicide. A lot of the times it's, I don't feel accepted. I don't feel loved. I don't feel cared about. I don't feel heard. I don't feel like I contribute anything. I don't have purpose. You can, by bending an actual listening ear and an open heart to understand and try to jump into that boat with that person, they'll see that and they'll answer those questions and they'll talk to you. And so you just got to be, you just got to be willing to do the work because when somebody dumps that on you, man, ain't nobody here trying to be like, oh, I'm backing out. I can't, I can't, I can't. No, 
No, if you don't want to be in that space with that, but don't even attempt to have this conversation, just get them to somebody who can have this conversation with them and be there with them and walk them through this process. Um, because it's heavy. It is heavy. Because if somebody tells you that they're having suicidal thoughts, get them to a hospital ASAP, call the police. You know what I'm saying? Get them to a place where they can be assessed and taken care of. You don't want to leave them by themselves. I would have jumped in that car myself, take that gun and take that bullet for my brother if I could. One of the things that that aided my healing process was understanding that even if God didn't take the gun from his hand, he was still right there with him. And I know this might be hard for so many people to grasp, but as my brother took that bullet, Jesus also took that bullet. You know what I'm saying? Like when we hurt, he hurts. When we cry, he's crying with us. When we need comfort, he's there wrapping his arms around us. Like we are never alone in these moments because the reality of it, of it is he never promised that we wouldn't go through these things. He never actually promised that. Like, it's not going to be an easy road. And so that's what I don't want people to forget is that God was in that car with my brother that night. He was there. That's a deep thing to say, because in moments like these, you can get two different outcomes. You can be introduced to God or three different Mm -hmm. outcomes. You can be introduced to God. You can get closer to God or you can absolutely deny and abandon God because you're just like, where were you? Why didn't you do this? You become very angry at God and it's understandable. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to say it's not understandable. Mm -hmm. And even you for yourself who went through it, you Mm -hmm. said it yourself in that garage. I don't remember what I asked you also, but you said it. You even were surprised at how you were acting. Because it was moments that you can easily start to question, like, so what now? You know what I mean? What now, God? And and you could easily start asking all those questions. But again, it's so beautiful. It was beautiful that, like you said, the night before, the words that was embedded in your heart and your mind is, it is well. It is well. It is well. With my soul. It is well with yeah. my soul. <laughs> not every day it is well. Not every day. And well. not every day it is well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, grief is that thing where you can you can be anywhere in the grieving process at any time. You know what I'm saying? You could have gone through all of it, but then you backtrack to number three and then you jump to number one. And you know what I'm saying? It's all of the place. Mm-hmm. And so it's not always well. You know what I'm saying? Like I had my moments where I'm like, dang, God, did it really have to happen like this? Mm-hmm. There was no other way. There was no other way. And I'm just here like, OK, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to have to trust you. I'm just going to have to make sure that I make it to heaven because that's where all my questions will be answered. Mm. This is an unfortunate thing in our church that whenever somebody commits suicide, they automatically kick you out of heaven. I'm not about that. I don't believe it. God never told me that. I don't I don't know about that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'll see him in heaven, but I hope I do because God sees it all and he sees the pain that he was going through. And I'm not saying God is here to excuse all of our mess, but because he understands, he can reason through it and he gets to the core of the matter and be like, you may have done this on the outside, but I know your heart and I know, I know what got you here. Another one says, um, and I think this is beautiful where it says, don't be afraid to speak the name of the person who has passed away your loved one or friend may be grateful for the opportunity to reminisce and for them to also feel that their loved one has not been forgotten yeah that one's hard it could be tricky it could be really tricky 
but you know, in, in the space completely, just ask questions, ask questions. If you're not sure, just, just talk to the person. Hey, is it okay? Do you, do you prefer me not to say their name? Whatever the case is, because you don't want to force growth and you don't want to force their, you know, the healing process on them either. They got to do it in their own time. For me, reminiscing gets tough. Reminiscing is hard. Because for me, I'll, what I still see are moments where I could have out the fire and I didn't, right? So when I think when I think of my brother coming to the point of suicide, I think of a mansion on fire. And the things that I was starting to do to try to help him in the healing process, because I can see that he was going through stuff. The, the way I, I see it is I'm trying to throw a cup of water on a burning mansion. It's not going to do nothing. It's not going to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like you need a whole you know, slew of fire trucks with powerful hoses to out this thing. And so when I reminisce, and this is where I got to heal still, I think I still have a lot of forgiving myself to do, you know, like I focus on forgiving other people, but forgive myself is hard. And so reminiscing gets hard for me. Um, I can speak his name. I can hear his name. But when I look through photos or, you know, different things like that, it, it gets rough. It gets really rough. Understandable. And that's true. I like that you said ask the person if they would like to don't mm-hmm. for, force mm-hmm. it on them. I mean, like, again, I think that's a beautiful thought to say that, especially the ending where it says, so the person uh, doesn't feel like their loved one has been forgotten. But like you said, based on the healing space that they're in, hearing the name may be a trigger as well for them. And the last thing it says, be patient. This experience has changed your loved ones or your friend's life forever. The weeks and the months following the funeral, when the initial shock wears off and the full reality of what has happened sinks in, it may be one of the toughest times for them. So continue to check in, continue to ask questions, continue to be patient, continue to be gentle and let them know that you're thinking of them, that you're there for them. And most importantly, you're ready to listen to them. I appreciate what God did for us in that the hardest, the hardest day was that day. The hardest thing in the whole process was that day. Because like I said, I could feel, I could, not that I felt something coming, but I just knew that if I didn't start giving my brother the tools to heal and to get through life, that something dark was going to happen. I saw, I saw this person who was in desperate need of tools to get through what he was going through. I didn't know, I didn't know what he was going through. I had no idea. I have no idea. And that that goes back to the fact that I didn't have tools. The times when I could have found out what was going on, I didn't have the tools to engage him in conversation. <laughs> that That's what gets me the most, Shay, because we were, my high school years and his fifth to eighth grade year, we spent a lot of time together in the car because I was the one driving us to school and back from school. And we spent a lot of time in the car. But you, you want to know how those conversations went? They didn't. They was, it was silence, dead silence all those years and that eats me up inside and the other part that eats me up so much is like I always have advice I always have opinions and I always have a listening ear to give to friends but when it came to my kid brother it was like I don't even family issues that were there the the trauma that I didn't want to engage I don't have the tools for this one right here and so what happened is that all those years went by and we didn't talk about it right 
What I also wanted to say, though, is that, yes, you have to forgive yourself because, like you said, you were a teenager yourself. Uh, You did not have the tools, but you were also dealing with your own trauma. So based on not having the tools and dealing with your own, it was difficult for you to do that for your brother. But what we're sharing today and for listeners to hear is that based on your experience, now you're able to provide the tools for other people or, or, or plant the seed of you, like, like you said, if you notice this about a loved one, about a friend, talk, listen, here's how you can give them help. Um, even if you're young, here are things that you can do with your siblings or friends or whatever to to help them and i think that's that's the circle of life or maybe for a lack of better words maybe not circle but like how the exchange happens that some of us have to go through things in order to save someone else from not going through it yeah. wrapping up again i just want to thank you for having this moment with me this mm-hmm vulnerability, this information. And I just want to say to you that I'm just so proud and happy of the woman that you've become and how I've witnessed you even going through this, the aftermath. Like you said, you had school that you still had to finish. Uh, You finished nursing school. You're a nurse. You learned healing with your mother and your stepfather. Uh, You became a wife. You became a mother. You're a mother now yourself, you know? So I I just want to say that I I love you. I appreciate you being, being an example of people out there that you can go through a very traumatic experience and that you will make it out okay. Not diminishing other people still going through turmoil and things looking crazy because it's understandable but to show people that i've experienced this and i was still able to come out the fire thank you my my favorite thing to say these days is to be stubborn be stubborn about being strong don't let nothing break you if you i mean i'm a naturally stubborn person and so i had embraced that about myself but now where i put it is you ain't gonna break me devil step back because I'm protected. You can come at me sideways, all sorts of ways, but God's got me. So your last words, I would like you to just describe your brother, describe who he, describe who he was, just to leave us with a sense of who your brother was to you. My brother was gentle. He was so gentle, which is why all of this was so hard because as he became a teenager, life made him a different kind of way. But from when we got him from the hospital, he was so gentle. He was so sweet. He was mild. He was so like mild in comparison to his crazy sister. Had the cutest little dimples. We we always loved those little dimples, you know, when he was growing up. And he was strong. Mom always kept saying like, Tyrell has really big hands. Like, I just feel like he's going to do something great with those big hands. He was also really funny. And he was so talented. He was so talented. He picked up the trumpet while he was in fifth grade. That was new. That was fun to watch him go through that process. Make music music on his piano. He played the guitar. He was a beast at gymnastics. He was so good. And he was smart too. He was book smart. All of those things combined made such a beautiful person, but all the talents and everything just wasn't enough. Still took him down a dark place, but he was so beautiful. He was so, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Listeners, uh, I know this may have been a heavy one, but I really pray that it is an informative one, uh, a reflective episode, and to know that check in on your friends, check in on your loved ones, because suicide doesn't, suicidal thoughts doesn't have just one face. We we all are going through different roller coasters in this thing that we call life. And it could mm-hmm. get very dark. You know, there's depression, there's yeah. suicidal thoughts. But in this thing we call life, there's a lot of beauty, a lot of beauty. And we just need to find it, um, encounter it and have those to to walk us through it, you know. So definitely checking on your friends, checking on your um, family and most info- uh, most importantly, take care of yourself. You know, we, we, we're living in an era where self-care is on, I don't even want to say on the rise. It's like on the forefront, like self-care, self-care, self-care. So definitely take care of yourself. And as always, I hope you have discovered something new here today, not only about yourself, but about the world that surrounds you. So tune in next time for She Discovered Podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you've gained some knowledge, insight, and clarity in this moment, creating your own inner discoveries. Tune in again with new episodes released every Tuesday. And most importantly, head over to at She Discovered Podcast on Instagram to interact with me and receive more tips and info relating to all topics discussed. As always, you are appreciated.